Acts chapter 2 says they added to their number daily those being saved. Now, we would love that to happen in our congregation, and if we're not adding to them getting saved, we're adding to our, our number through births. And so we are so excited for the Gramlows who had a baby boy on Thursday. Brett, stand up and show them that you're still awake. And so baby boy named Cameron, baby boy named Cameron, we're so happy for you guys. We celebrate and uh, I hope you guys get some sleep. I love that we are a church that is really made up of all different demographic of age and experience of background. I love young families, don't you? Just love young families. Genesis chapter 11. I'm not going to read out of my Bible, which I usually do because it's small print from up here. I'd hate to get it wrong, but let's go ahead. From verse 27, Genesis chapter 11. This is the account of Terah's family line. Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran became the father of Lot. While his father Terah was still alive, Haran died in Ur of the Chaldeans and in the land of his birth. Abram and Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. She was the daughter of Haran, the father of both Milcah and Iscah. Now Sarai was childless because she was not able to conceive. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the, the wife of the son of Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. Kind of just a lot of background there. We'll get there and why it's important in a few minutes. We're starting chapter 12 now. This next few verses is what's called the Abrahamic Covenant. It's a promise. It's a promise to Abraham. It's a promise to us. The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem, at the time of the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord, who had appeared to him. From there they went on towards the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel in the west and I on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out, continued towards the Negev. Lots of names, lots of places, lots of story. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Lord, we thank you for the history and the practical applications that we see in this great part of the Bible that is the Old Testament. Lord, as we embark on a 
series that will last a while, Lord, help us to understand how you'll, you work through faith. You work through these individuals who trusted you. And Lord, as we put our faith in you, you work through us as well. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. In the hot summer of 1976, I was five years old. We lived on Lilac Lane in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and about three blocks away from us was the Starlight Drive-In Theater. It was great. I had, I had a buckaroo bike, right? I remember it because it had the banana seat. Anybody have a banana seat bike? Come on, own it. Get your hand up. Own the banana seat. And, and we really, my parents had a free-range style of parenting, which I really appreciated, right? And so in the evenings, we would ride our bikes to the trails behind the Starlight Drive-In Theater, and we would watch movies, albeit movies that we could not hear at all, you know? But I remember sitting back there on the trails on my buckaroo bike, and I remember seeing two robots walk through a desert. And I watched the entire Star Wars movie without any words at all. (laughs) But I was like, I was drawn to this character, right? Like Luke Skywalker, you know, this this great protagonist that had just a great life, this amazing storyline around, oh, I lost a hand, but a great life, you know. And... (laughs) And then shortly after that, I was introduced to this Star Trek thing, right? My cousins were huge into Star Trek, the whole James T. Kirk going to places no man has gone before. And, and before you think I'm just a, a crazy, like, sci-fi kind of guy, I grew up in this world, right? Most of you did, too. It becomes the question, Star Wars or Star Trek? And there's really only one answer, you know. It's Lord of the Rings. What is it that we're drawn to these movies, you know, whether it's Luke or, or uh, James T. Kirk or it's Frodo or Bilbo, but these individuals who have these epic storylines around their lives, right? That, and and it, all our movies have that component, this, this amazing protagonist that we follow their life of hardship and difficulty, and, and eventually they overcome in, in The Lord of the Rings some 42 hours later, But what is it that draws our hearts through that? And, and it, somehow it's that hope that our lives would be extraordinary. We live a little vicariously through them, and we want to be like them. We want great lives. We want these amazing things to happen. And, and we are starting a series that we're talking about patriarchs, these, these ordinary people serving an extraordinary God, be going through Abraham and Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. We're going to be looking at their lives, looking at what it means to just, just live for God through all of the different circumstances of life. What does it look to pray? What does it look to trust when you don't see things? How do you really live out your life? Because, listen, I think there's some, something that we have in common here. We all believe in God. James 2 says even the demons believe in God. But faith is much more than belief. It truly is living for God. It's committing our lives to that process that says, God, if if I sense and I know 
that you want something for my life, that I am going to step out in faith, regardless of circumstances, and trust you. That's really what we have in common here. It's really really trying to figure out what it looks like to have faith in God in our lives. And most of us aren't having lives like Abraham, right? Abraham, we're going to spend some time with Abraham here this summer. Pretty epic storyline, right? Do you know that 55% of the world today point back to Abraham as the foundation of their faith? That's Christianity, Islam, and Judaism. All look to Abraham. Well, that's, pretty, that's a pretty epic life, right? Our lives aren't all going to be like Abraham. But our lives are very much intended to be lived by faith. How does it all work? How do, how do I live by faith when, when maybe the test results that we get on our app over and over again from the doctor just kind of seem bad? How am I supposed to live by faith in that? How do I live by faith when at work I see that every single month there's fewer and fewer orders coming in and I don't know if I should quit. I don't know if I should just try to find a different job. I don't, the writing's on the wall. Maybe it's been a long time since you sensed that there was a real connection in your marriage. What does it look like to bring Christ, to bring God into the middle of your marriage and have faith bring you guys together? What does it look like when all of the hopes and the desires that we poured into our children are falling apart as their decisions are not the ones we would hope for? What does it mean when you come to an age and you look back on your own life and you say, how did I get here? This is what what I planned. This is not where I'd hoped to be. How does faith all work together? I hit a big one last year, 50. Right? I'm 51 today. Not today. (laughs) You guys are starting to sing, right? Just go. As I'm standing here today, I'm 51. And I remember my dad at 51, and the dude was old. (laughs) Do you know what I'm saying? Like, Like, wow, what happened? And yet, in all of the circumstances that we live our lives, we have to say, Lord, what does it look like to bring faith into this? What does it look like for me to trust you at work, with my family, in the circumstances of my life, in my marriage, in my health, in my finances? Faith is much more than belief. And so, we're going to look at these individuals, and we're going to start today with Abraham and you, you noticed I said Abram and Sarai, their names changed to Abraham and Sarah. And it's not a significant change except for going from being a father to a father of nations, right? To mother to a mother of nations. So it may seem significant. It's just a transition happens after this covenant is made. But we're going to look at the steps and how he had to deal with faith in a very hard time. Times of question. So first... We're going to be talking about how we take steps of faith that are going to be similar to Abraham's. And your step of faith is a personal change of who you are. We look at Abraham. 
He's a direct descendant of a guy named Shem. You, you may not know that name. Like the first 11 chapters of the Bible, like before we get here, all has to do with like kind of creation stuff. And we see, we see Noah and the ark, and we see the, the Tower of Babel in chapter 11, and then we see Abraham, right? And from here to the rest of Genesis, it's all his story, right? And so from like 12 to 50, his story. Up before that, there's this guy named Noah. And after Noah and the ark, you, you know Noah's in the ark, Noah has three children, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and two of them do something stupid, right? And Shem did something honorable. You can read about it. And because of that, the blessing went on Shem, right? And the line of Shem, they were honoring God. They were following God, except boom, not Abraham's parents. We see in Joshua 24.2, uh, Joshua said to all the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, long ago your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates and worshipped other gods. So up to this point, you know, Shem is supposed to be carrying on this lineage of following God, right? And suddenly he's not. They're worshipping the natural gods around them, they're worshiping the gods of the other people, and they're not worshiping the one true God. And Abraham is at an intersection in his life. He's at a place where he's got to choose to follow God. Abraham's had, family had been led astray, yet he was at a place to choose. I hope you're here today. And maybe you're here today because you're ready to choose. Right? Choose to follow God. It could be an analytical thing, often an emotional thing. Maybe about 100 years ago, how they truly defined a conversion, a person who was really committing themselves with God, they said, if there wasn't truly life change and tears, they would question whether repentance was actually there. Right? Because they recognize it should have this life effect on us. It should show itself beyond. And just a few verses past what we read in Joshua is this great one that everybody has knitted or doilied or whatever you do on your wall. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to me, hang on, I'll get there. Then choose yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living, but as for me and my house, that's the one I was getting to, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Joshua is saying, okay, just like Abraham, you have to make a decision. Who are you going to live for? Faith means my life is his. Everything. We compartmentalize so well, don't we? We got work life. We got some friends that maybe we do some socially th- social things with, bowling or darts or whatever. We got our church friends, right? Compartmentalize God. He said, all of us, choose today who you're going to serve our whole life. Your step of faith is a personal change of who you are. Your step of faith is also a step into the unknown. The covenant that that God makes with Abraham starts with a huge step of faith. 
a step into not knowing what will come. Go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land I will show you. Pick up everything and go. I don't know if you've ever been in that situation before. I don't know if you've ever had an experience where you were in prayer with God and he simply said in some maybe other phrase, I'll show you later. I want you just to be obedient. I'll show you later. I've been there. I can tell you it's no fun. I really like knowing the plan. I really like to know, Lord, what's going to happen in this really hard situation? I'd really like some answers right now about my finances, about my family, about my job, blah, blah, blah. Really like to know what's going to happen. And in some way or another, he simply says, trust me. I've got you. I'll show you. Hebrews 11, this great story of faith. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home to go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land, God promised him he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents. Unknown. We, we chose a similar path, and I don't know why we did. My wife and I, when I was, backstory, when I was 16, we had a missions convention like we do every May here. Uh, our youth pastor's wife uh, and our youth pastor and I were hanging up, I was 16 years old, hanging up flags from around the world, right? I hung up this one, and it had like these two chickens in the middle. And I'm like, what's this? And they said, Albania. I'm like, I've never heard of it. What is it? And they said, it's a country in Central Europe that's all Muslim, and it has no missionaries whatsoever right now. And I said, I'll go there. And that started something inside of my heart just when I said, I'll go there, that like every day just about for, from then through Bible college, four years of Bible college, I was praying for Albania. I was going to Albania. I prepped for Albania. We got married going to Albania, right? That was the plan. We, we became youth pastors. We did a church plant. Christine, for Christmas one year, after we'd gotten rid of some school debt, right, said, it's time. Here's a ticket to Albania. And I got on a flight to Albania, to Tirana, and uh, we're going to be there for two weeks with a missionary friend. And on the flight, flying over the Black Mountains, I've just got this heaviness on my chest. Right? I got there, great ministry, great opportunities. They wanted us there. Everything was great, but I was like up every single night just praying and just praying and just praying. And I just sensed God saying no. Right? And after, after just maybe a week and a half, I called Christine, which was an expensive call back then. And I said, it's not here. She's like, well, where are we going? I said, I don't know, but it's not here. Independently, we both sensed God saying, Ukraine. Now, I'd prepped everything for for Albania. I was ready for Albania. But God just said no, and I said, I want you to go another place. So we got on an airplane never having been to Ukraine. Now, I don't suggest that if you're going to be a missionary. Like, take an advance flight, like, figure out what's going on. There are moments in your life when God will ask you to just trust him. 
trust sometimes is hard. But in Abraham's situation, and I think very often in the very practical things that weigh heavy on our hearts, God simply says, will you have some faith in me? Often your step of faith is the beginning of a new family. Praise God, Brett, right? Praise God. New family. I'll make you into a great nation and bless you. Now, some of you are thinking, I'm not Sarah. (laughs) I don't know where you're going with this, Pastor Paul. When you step out in faith, you bring people with you. you I want you to see that. When you're an individual who chooses Christ, you will naturally bring people with you. Whether they're your own children or other family members or the people around you. You are a legacy builder. 1970, my dad responded during the Jesus, uh, Jesus People movement. My dad responded to, to a, a, a declaration of prayer where he said, come on forward and kneel here and accept Jesus Christ. He accepted Jesus Christ and trickle-down effect. Almost all of his seven brothers and sisters came to Christ. Uh, my, my family came to Christ because of his decision. My kids came to Christ because of his decision. Listen, what you do with your spiritual life makes a difference. And you may not see it today. You may not recognize it today. But we are building legacies. We are building something special. and Creating a family far beyond this. When, when we, I was going to say when we got pregnant, when Christine got pregnant, I get myself in trouble when I say we got pregnant. We didn't get pregnant, she got pregnant. And I remember standing at the OBGYN, right, and, and she, you know, she did the, the ultrasound thing, right, and the jelly on the belly and, and the thing was going on. And she, the guy, she says to me, Hey, Dad, do you know what those two round circles are? (laughs) No idea. She says, those are two heads. And and my mind went to the worst right there. (laughs) I felt better when she said twins, right? Uh, Sorry, Darts. So I, I remember standing after they were born, and they, had a, they were in the same crib because they liked being together. They'd spent a lot of time together. They were in the same crib, and I remember staring at them and just wondering what they're going to be like. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like, how, how are you going to laugh? Like, what, what are you going to love? What, what far beyond the genetics that I gave them. Our decisions, give them Jesus. And your decisions today have a far greater reach. Abraham's decision means everything to us today. The father of our faith. His faith accredited to him as righteousness. Right? Right? 
you sing the song. Pastor Mitch knows. Thank you, sir. So your step of faith is the beginning of a new family. Your step of faith is a change in your view of provision. He left family, his support network. He left all that he knew. He left the language that he spoke. He left everything territorial that he knew to go to a place he didn't even know where he was going. You talk about trusting in God for everything. Like, we don't do that. Like, we've got checks and balances in place. We've got savings accounts, and we've got 401Ks, and we've got, man, we've got Google Maps. How did I live without Google Maps? I don't go from Fredonia to church without putting on Google Maps. I've driven it 56,000 times. Not really. And yet God is saying, I want you to trust me, though you don't know what's coming. Now here's the thing about trusting God. We have a really good job of kind of walking it back. Right? So we read Scripture, and Scripture gives us a promise. Don't you love promises? Scripture gives us a promise, and right after we get that promise, we walk it on back. That's not really what he meant. Or that was for somebody else. or That's not how God works today. That was a dispensation that's not today. Hebrews 10.23, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. That's usually where we get into a struggle with what, what I call the yeah buts. Right? God really wants me to do this, yeah, but I don't know that he meant it for me. God often calls us to things that are hard. But here's the thing. And I think it's important for us to recognize Abraham intentionally placed himself into a situation where he had to trust God for his provision. He intentionally put himself into a position where he needed to trust God. Have you tried that? I see some heads going like this. Good. He's faithful. Your step of faith often is a change in your view of provision. Your step of faith is a commitment to establish family worship. Where'd you get that, Pastor Paul? He built altars. He established two places of worship as soon as he hit ground. God says, this is the place Let's build the altar. Let's put a place of sacrifice and worship in place. Let's get it done. He led his family spiritually. He said, this place is important. This time is important. It was a place where they would focus their lives on God. Kind of preaching to the choir here. You're here today. For a reason, because church is important. I I grew up in a good family. 
But I do really think I'm here today because of church. It's like my faith was restored by church. My faith was held up by church, even when I was really stupid. How many of you took a period of your life where you were really stupid? Okay. Mine, mine was a solid two years. And if you stick around long enough, you'll hear enough sermon illustrations that come from those two years. But for my family, church took precedent. A place of family worship was important. We were there. Our boys today are at Rangers camp. I was at Rangers camp. I went to Spencer Lake. Every year they let me and some I shouldn't have been. I surrounded myself Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I was there all the time. When I was in college, I was working 80 hours a week. I was there on a Sunday morning during the summers. Even when I was tired. One Sunday in particular. Came in. The service was started. Seats about 500 Central Church in Green Bay, where I grew up. Sat in the back, back over here by Wayne, right? Sat in the back. Just kind of folded my hands like this. Place was full, right? Folded my hands like this. Put my head down for a second. Lifted it back up. The place was empty. <laughs> empty. And I got out in the cafe, man, I got it bad. (laughs) If you want to sleep in church, sleep in church, but be in church. It's good for you. It's good for your family. Pastor already hit on it, right? Some of you just got permission to sleep in church, and you're like, (laughs) you didn't need to celebrate. You did it already, so come on. Your step of faith is a commitment to establish family worship. And finally, your step of faith is a strength to meet challenges. Now, I'm just kicking off on Abraham. and Pastor Mark, in a couple weeks, is going to pick up Abraham because guess what? His faith is tested over and over and over and over. And in ways, you just say, praise God, my life is not tested like his But guess what? They are, aren't they? Our faith is tested daily. Now, you may think, what does that mean? It it means the very practical stuff of, should I actually watch this in my household? It's the very practical stuff of how we choose to live our lives, how we choose to spend our money, how we choose to react to each other. It's all faith stuff, isn't it? It's all challenges of how we're going to trust God. It's a commitment to say, I'm going to trust you, Lord, even in the hardest of times. I uh, we get to pray with a lot of people as a pastor, right? Do you know there's one prayer that people ask an amazing amount of times? And I tell them, please, please don't pray this prayer. Lord, give me more faith. Because you know how faith is understood, right? It's when it's tested. It's when you're put in a position where you really have to trust God. And if you want a lot more faith, look out. But you know what? I appreciate the prayer.
prayer because what it says is, I want a life that trusts God, right? Even when it doesn't always make sense. Listen, Abraham's life didn't make sense to do this. Parents are serving other gods, right? Go to a place I've never been. Just trust what God has said. Trust his promises, even if it doesn't feel right. It may not feel like we have the lives that are extraordinary, like Abraham, like Isaac and Jacob and Joseph, or like Bilbo, or like Luke Skywalker, these epic storylines. But let me just encourage you for a moment. A practical life of faith is an extraordinary life. And it will reach and it will affect, and it will change, and it will influence, and it will be a life that you look back and say, God was faithful to me, even when it didn't make sense. That's why maybe that prayer request, Lord, give me more faith. Lord, let me trust you. I'm going to ask the worship team to come and we're going to spend a few minutes just singing. Singing has this way of allowing us to fortify our minds around a few thoughts that we sing together. I don't know about you, but it also is this time of really of commitment to God. So I'm going to encourage you to say today right now, because at the beginning of my message, I touched on a few real practical areas of our lives, whether it was our health or our jobs or our marriages or our kids, whatever it might be. I, I kind of touched on those things. Why? Because guess what? We've got those things in common. Now, now maybe we had it before. Practical areas of our lives where we say, what does it mean, God, for me to trust you What does it mean when it really feels like I have no control over a situation and I can simply put my faith in God and believe He's faithful? In a moment, we're going to stand together. We're going to start singing. And I'd like you to just Take a few moments and these things that are challenges in your life, these areas that we would just call life being hard, I'd like you to take a few minutes and recommit that area of your life to God. The plight of my grandkids, I give that to you, God. The question of my retirement funds, I give that to you question of my marriage. I truly give this to you again, God. Do what you want. Let me have faith in you for this. Stand with me, would you?
Lord, give our hearts sensitivity. Heavenly Father, we ask that you give us a commitment in our hearts. You give us a commitment in action today. As in the next few moments, you reveal to our minds and to our hearts, Lord God, areas of our lives that we doubted you would ever do anything. But Lord, we choose to trust your promises because you are faithful. And Lord, as you speak, as you speak to our hearts in these next moments, we say yes to you, Lord God. And we take one more step of faith to trust you in these moments.